Andy preached to us. And I, I'm sure that I don't speak only for myself. I've greatly appreciated the humility that you have come before us with. You have come with honesty. You have certainly challenged and made us sit up and, well, make me anyway, sit up and take note. And you will be very sorely missed. Um, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, preach to us, brother. No pressure. No pressure. You're going to make me blush, Catherine. Uh, morning. Um, so I was told this morning that uh, I could preach whatever I wanted. And, um, yeah, well... The problem with that is the minute someone says that, you kind of go, huh, and don't know what to do. And so for a long time, I didn't really know what to do. And um, uh, I was cleaning some stuff out this week, uh, moving some files across and uh, different sermons across. And I uh, came across a sermon I preached, I guess, a year and a half ago that uh, as I was looking at it and moving it across, thinking about it, I kind of just thought, actually, I should preach some version of that. And I thought it would be okay because no one knows what the preachers preached, even by Sunday afternoon normally. And so there's no chance they'll remember. However, um, there may be one or two examples you think, I'm sure he said this before. Um, So uh, I was was, was thinking, I was looking at it thinking, what are different people are, I guess, uh, uh, in the end, they're passionate about lots of things, they're passionate about particular things. And one of the things that I'm just passionate about is that people would know who they are in Christ. Um, that, uh, that people would have a strong foundation. Uh, that it's not, it's not okay to just kind of have these flash in the pans that are great for a, a moment and go away again. And of course, we're talking about being in a season of revival, trying to push into revival, uh, trying to welcome the Holy Spirit and, and just take steps forward in that area. And we're seeing God do wonderful things, actually. We're seeing God breathe life into things that didn't have life for a while. Like, so things like our Alpha course that for, for a whole chunk of time seemed like it was dead as you like. Suddenly, it's come to life. Uh, and that's repeated in different things across. But, but we want that to be for the long term. We don't want something that was great for a season has gone again. We want life that is sustained, life that continues to grow, life. And for that, I passionately believe, strong foundation, strong foundation upon which you built. Otherwise, we become what, the house on the rock, the house on the sand. It looks great for a season, but then it gets blown away. And we don't want that. We want revival, but we want revival that lasts, that's ongoing. Not that we look back on and think, oh, do you remember when? That two years, wasn't that good? That's, that's not what we're about. And so, um, uh, so anyway, that was kind of just wrapped up. I'm really excited about all that God's doing. And, and the more I look and the more I see, it is as though you can see that prophetic word from Columbia, like the Holy Spirit blowing on coals and, and bringing life back to things. And uh, we really want to push into that, but we want to be able to do that in a way that is sustained and ongoing and continues to grow. And so with that in mind, I'm going to pray, and then I'll uh, lead you to where we're going to be today. Uh, And so Holy Spirit, we just uh, welcome you into this sermon. Thank you for how you have uh, led us this morning so far. 
We pray that you would open our ears to hear. Pray that you'd open our mind to learn. We pray that you'd open our hearts to respond. We ask that you would let us live lives of fruitfulness that point others to Jesus. And so we just welcome you, Holy Spirit, and just say, have your way over the next little while. Amen. Okay, uh, I, I just, um, I'm always encouraged when worship goes the way of the sermon. Um, and so I hadn't talked to Dapo this morning, but uh, just the songs chosen have uh, linked in very nicely with what I'm preaching. So that's always an encouragement. And so I'm going to be preaching today from Ephesians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles and want to turn there, uh, it will be on the screen as well. But Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Uh, as the Apostle Paul begins his letter to the church in Ephesus, and he begins by encouraging the Christians there with wonderful and life-changing truth. So Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 3. And you want to keep your Bibles open, or your apps open, because we're going to jump in and out a little bit as we go. So Ephesians 1, verse 3 says this, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Now, I don't know what every spiritual blessing means fully, I guess, um, but I'm guessing it's pretty awesome. I, don't, I mean, I don't know any of us know what every spiritual blessing is, but I can only assume that every spiritual blessing from God is pretty amazing. Um, what it is to be in Christ. And next week, John Lampard's going to carry on our series we're in at the minute uh, in John, and he's going to talk about John 15, about being in Christ, uh, and all the benefits and joys that come with being in Christ. But what a great place to start uh, this passage on a note of praise and gratitude to Jesus for who he is and what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do. All praise to God, the Father Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. And I know you don't fully understand what that is and I don't fully understand what that is, but it's pretty awesome. So let me start by asking a question today, just as Paul starts his passage with a note of praise, a note of thanks, a note of joy. What is it you are praising God for and what is it that you are thankful for? Today, this week, what is it that you can call to mind that you, you're thankful for to God, that you're praising God for? I don't need to shout out, but I want you to think. What is it? I don't know we're always on the front foot with this. I don't know that thanks is always our default position. It's probably not the result of the world we live in. Um, good news and joy isn't at the forefront of anything to do with what we see on TV generally. Um, what is it that you are praising God for? What is it that you are thankful for? Or specifically, what can you call to mind? That he has done or that he is doing or that you are confident that he will do? What is it you can call to mind? that you are thankful for. And you should have an answer to this.
But actually, it's, it's more than just you. So what is it that you are praising God for, for you, that he's done in you? But actually, what are you praising God for, for what he's doing in the lives of others? Not just in your life, but what Jesus is doing to the lives of us. Because that verse we just read says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united in Christ. So it's not just about me. So yes, so there's what can I think of that I can give thanks for, that I know he is doing is me. But actually, what are you, can you think of that you can give thanks for that you know he is doing in others? in your brothers and sisters, in the family that we're part of? What do you look around and think, man, I'm so pleased at how God has raised them up or blessed them or has, has made them new or, or something? So I don't want to embarrass anybody, um, but uh, I'm going to. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it was, I guess, I don't know how many years ago it was now that Charles Williams, uh, oh, he just looked up. There you go, Charles. Uh, you know, Charles, you're just turning me down. I thought you were about to turn me down on the microphone. <laughs> okay, Charles Williams um, stepped in where we needed someone to lead the sound team here. And I asked Charles, and, and Charles said yes. And Charles has led this team really well, and the team serves fantastically. And it's in the background. You only ever notice it when it doesn't work. Yeah, otherwise you pay no attention to Charles and the team. It's when it doesn't work that everyone looks around in horror. Um, but actually, Charles, I mean, I am thankful for Charles. I am thankful not just for the way he stepped forward, but for the team and the way the team serve and things like that. Uh, and I am thankful for him uh, and all that he does in the background without drawing any attention to himself at all. I am thankful for him. That's to be our heart. That's to be our desire that our eyes and our perspective are lifted from ourselves to Jesus and who, not just I, but who we are in him. So not something I'm thankful for, but who else are we thankful for? We are family, filled with passion for our brothers and sisters, thankful to God for one another and all that he is doing in us. And so um, I might regret this, but what I'm going to do is give you one minute to go and encourage somebody else. Uh, now you're looking at me, but I want you to go and do it, okay? Because, okay, so what am I thankful for for me? Yes, okay. Now, what are you thankful for in others? You've got one minute, go and encourage somebody about something you see in their life. Just let me encourage you, don't... Be a people who does that with one another. Yeah, don't wait for someone up here to, to talk about it and say, go and do this. Be a people who does that with one another. Just naturally out of who we are, that our default position is, is a desire to encourage one another and appreciate one another and lift one another up and, and walk with one another and bless one another. But be a people who do that, who, who want to speak truth to one another. Uh, who wanna, uh, because we live in a world that is, is going to just tell you the exact opposite again and again and again. And we can't afford just to be passive about how we do this. Actually, we're family, and therefore as family we get to bless one another again and again and again. That's why God's put us together. Part of the reason that we might together encourage ourselves in Christ and who we are. And so this passage um, then continues. I'll start again, verse 3. 
says, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing himself bringing us to himself through, through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Now, this passage is full of uh, astonishing truth, actually, um, that if believed, changes our understanding of who we are and how we are lived. There are three key themes here, and I guess if you remember nothing else from this sermon, I want you to remember these three things, that through Jesus, we... You are loved by God, chosen by God, and adopted into the family of God. You are loved by God through Jesus. You are loved by God, chosen by God, and adopted into the family of God. Uh, Margaret said right at the beginning when she brought her word about actually he welcomes us. Before we ever welcome him, he, he welcomes us. He bids us come. He comes and reaches out to us. He's the initiator. And so I know you've all just sat down, but it's my last sermon. <laughs> and I'm one of those moods. I want you to go and tell three people. I am loved, chosen, and adopted by God. We won't move on till you do it, so... I know you groan when I say do it, but you'll miss it when it's gone. <laughs> I am loved, chosen, and accepted by God. And, and I want you to notice what it says in this passage about what we have done or have to do to earn this favour from God. It says absolutely nothing. Often it seems we spend our lives wrestling with questions like, am I good enough? For God's. How, how could God love me? Look at what I've done. Look at my mess. Look at my doubt. Look at my failure. Look at my sin. Am I doing the things to make God like me? Am I obeying the rules? Do, uh, does God regret saving me? Have you ever had that when you look at your life sometimes and look at the things that you've done and you think, oh man, God must regret saving me? What do I need to do to earn God's love? And approval. So often, I think we fall into asking these questions of ourselves. Am I good enough for God? Am I doing the things to make God like me? Because we, we know what our own lives are like, yeah? I mean, we do. And maybe we put on a pretense to others, but we know the real us, the highs and the lows. So often those doubts creep in. I hope I've been good enough today to come and worship. I mean, how many people sometimes hate coming to church because of what their life's looked like during the week? I think, oh, now I've got to come and put on the worship show. But actually, I don't feel like I've been good enough for God this week. This sort of thinking and living fills us with performance anxiety, worrying about whether we're good enough for God or not. Now, God's been very gracious to me through um, my life so far, through a tremendous amount of getting things wrong, 
and just being stubborn and pig-headed and willfully sinful and other things. God has, um, God has been stubborn with me, um, but God has been very gracious to me, and he's, he's taught me some things. And um, I, I, I've generally reached a place in my life where I never ask myself the question, um, am I good enough? Such a redundant question, because the answer to that question is no. I've never been good enough. It's never been the basis of this at all. Am I good enough? So why even ask the question? You only get a disappointing answer. But so many Christians seem to get suckered into this way of living, and yet to live this way is to cripple yourself. To live this way is to cripple yourself with a burden that you can't possibly carry, and that was never yours to carry anyway. When did my salvation ever rest on my ability to earn it or sustain it? When did God's love and acceptance ever depend on me being good enough? Jesus is good enough. I don't have to be good enough. I am in him and he is good enough. This is, the, this is our great news. It's not about you ever being good enough. And yet we constantly seem to slip back into thinking, I've got to be good enough today on some level. Otherwise God won't like me. Otherwise God won't bless me. Otherwise God won't... I've got to be good enough today. Forgetting that we'll never ever be good enough. We don't have to be because Jesus is. I think my dad used to do this. Can't remember now. But yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, but there's there's you, and there's Jesus, and then yeah, and then you you go in there, and you're in Him, and He's good enough. Where He goes, you go. What's true of Him is now true of you, because you're in Him. I um, what what we have is a gift from God, not something that we have to earn from God. Now imagine, because it's my last sermon, and imagine you all had a whip round, and, um, and at this moment Matt came forward to present me with a set of keys. They said, Andy, there's a, there's a car outside uh, in the car park. I said, oh, thank Matt. That's, um, <laughs> you have all been more than generous. <laughs> Just so. And uh, it's insured. Uh, and it's got a tank full of petrol and um, just wanted to say this is, this is our gift to you uh, Matt I, I don't know what to say thank you thank you so much how did you know that I liked an Aston Martin <laughs> you've done your research now let me get my wallet out and uh, oh, I've only got 50p in cash here so let me start paying you back with my 50p. And uh, I'll probably have a little bit more next week. And so next week I'll send some money on to you. And, and I'll keep doing that until I've covered the cost of this gift. Is it a gift anymore? Or am I just trying to earn it? Yeah? And yet how often do we spend our Christian lives living that way? Here is a free gift of you of salvation through Jesus. 
came with a cost. Jesus has paid the cost. It's a gift of mercy. It's a gift of grace. It's a gift of love. It's a gift that you receive. And you receive it and you're like, wow, Jesus, thank you so much. Now, I can't afford to pay for it all this week. But little by little, every week, I'm going to pay you back to earn this free gift of salvation you've given me until eventually I've made up for it. It's not a free gift of salvation anymore. It's something you're trying to earn from God. Something you're trying to earn to say, no, no, I must pay for this. Which completely defies the point of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which is that through him and his sacrifice, you get a free gift of salvation. You get to receive it. We're just not very good at receiving gifts sometimes. It says in the passage we just read, this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Okay, he didn't do this because you were super awesome and so he thought, I better, I better do that because that person's super awesome. In your brokenness, in your mess, in your sin, in all the things you struggle with, he looked at you and he loved you and he decided it was his great pleasure to save you. Not because of anything you'd done, not because of anything that you'd earned, not because of anything special that you'd made him do. He looked at you in your darkest moments and it gave him great pleasure to save you. This verse tells us that our salvation and standing before God isn't about what you did, what you're doing and what you'll do. It's all about God and what Jesus, our champion, has done at the cross. We have been chosen by the God of the universe to be part of his family. And the entry cost into that family has been paid for by Jesus at his expense. Why? Because he chose to love us. It's as simple as that. God, it turns out, is just really awesome. And he loves us unconditionally. And we struggle with that because, you know, we live in this fallen world and unconditional love is a weird thing. But God chose us because he loves us. And some of you are spending your lives still trying to earn something from God that he wants to give you as a gift. And if you don't stop you're going to be miserable and insecure probably your whole life. Because you're trying to pay for something that you can never pay for. Trying to earn something you could never earn rather than receive it as a gift. What I should do with that Aston Martin is finish this sermon up quick, take my keys, jump in the car and head off down the roads. Because the way to honour the giver is to take hold of the gift and to really enjoy it. And the way to honour Jesus is to take hold of this gift of salvation and to live it for all it's worth. You can't link his love and acceptance to your performance. When you do that, it's a bit like trying to tiptoe around the sleeping fierce God, uh, God, dog, trying not to wake him. You're trying to make sure that he doesn't notice you. I, I used to watch Tom and Jerry cartoons. And there was always a moment the dog was there asleep and they were trying to tiptoe past him, trying not to wake this fierce dog up. Trying to make sure they didn't notice him. 
Sometimes that defines our relationship with God. We're just trying to just tiptoe past him because I don't want him to notice me because if he does, I don't think he'll like me. Listen to me. Jesus loves you as you are. He doesn't want your performance. He wants you. He wants the real you. He wants the broken you as you are. And you need to come again and know again his love, his grace and his forgiveness. He's not interested in your show. He's not interested in your performance. Now I know all the moves to the worship songs. I've been in church a long time. I know when to raise my hands in the air. I know the key change moments. I know the uplifting moments. I know how to do all of that. Whether I'm feeling it or not. I mean, I've told you this before, but, you know, a Brighton Leaders Conference 18 years ago, and there's maybe 3,000 leaders there from around the world, and worship was happening, and I was just like, Phew. and then I noticed a man taking photographs. And he was going around the room as he came to me just before he got to me. <laughs> and I counted to ten in my head. Well, he passed and moved on. And then about six months later, that photograph of me was on the front of the New Frontiers magazine <laughs> and on the DVD that went around the world. This, this moment of worship, this moment of just lost in praise to God. <laughs> Purely just me counting to ten in my head because I saw the photographer coming. I know the moves. I know how to perform at the right time. God doesn't want that. God wants to reel me. Even if that's broken and messed up and totally in need of help. That's true for all of us. So often we're busy performing. When God just says, why don't you just come to me broken and let me make you new. See, my identity and my value are entirely found in being chosen by the God of the universe. It's not found in what I do. It's not found in how I perform. It's not found in where I live. It's not found in what I look like. It's not found in how much money I have. It's not found in what education I have. It's not found in what age I am. It's not found in what job I have or anywhere else. Instead, I rest, my, I rest in my identity as a loved, chosen child of God, living for him as part of the family he's placed me in. That means I'm free to pursue him and give my all for him, knowing that he will never, ever, 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 ever reject me. So, you know, we're talking about revival at the minute, kind of just what we're talking about a lot, and I don't know that we all really know what revival means, Everyone's got kind of a different understanding, maybe when you use that word, but whatever it is, it is uh, God moving in a way that just changes everything and that sees lots of people saved and sees lives turned around and our lives turned around in all sorts of ways. So whatever it is, it's awesome. But if, if you live and you're wrapped up in performance, you'll never run after the things of God. Because you'll constantly be afraid that he's going to reject you when you get it wrong. And so you'll never truly step into kind of this call of revival because you'll be paralysed by, what if I get it wrong? I don't want to be rejected by God. Especially because you'll think everybody else is getting it right and I'm always getting it wrong. And so you'll sit and you won't do anything. 
But our identity isn't found there. Our value and acceptance isn't found there. It's found because God really loves you and Jesus is awesome. He'll never reject you. And if you truly understand that God will never reject you, that means that you can run after him freely. Knowing that when you fail, because you will, because we all do, you don't get rejected, you get picked up. You get loved, you get encouraged, and you get to try again. And you might fail again and he'll pick you up again. There's no limit to his love. There's no end of the measure of his grace and his mercy. When you truly understand the foundation of who you are in Christ, it frees you to run after him without worry of him rejecting you. And too often we live the Christian life, man, what if I get it wrong? God won't like me. And so we don't run after him at all. We go through the motions, we go through performance, but we don't truly run after him. That's not the call what we're in now. We call, we're going to push into revival. We're going to respond to the prophetic word. We're going to let the Holy Spirit come and do what he wants and welcome him. Okay, well to do that, we're going to not need to link our performance to his love. Now there's good news in this passage that keeps on coming. Ephesians 1 verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family bringing, by bringing us to himself through Christ. It's what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Poured, purchased, showered. God loves you is a phrase that we use. God loves you with an active love. He is with you. He is for you. His blessing is upon you. He has forgiveness for you even this day because of Jesus. His grace and mercy and power are with you. His position is one of having a hand of blessing extended towards you every day. As we welcome the Holy Spirit, we are filled up so that as we freely give away, we still continually receive and overflow. We were just singing songs this morning. We sang Freedom Reigns in This Place. Showers of mercy and grace. Showers of mercy and grace. Okay, God is an active God who is with you every single day. Your salvation was not a one-off event and now it's up to you. Every single day you have got a God whose desire it is to bless you, to pour out his mercy to pour out his love, to pour out his grace, to pour out his power every single day to you. Okay, his position is one of, his hand is extended to bless. God isn't absent. He isn't standing back waiting to see how you get on and whether you're worth his time and blessing. You are his chosen child, we are his chosen people, and he loves us with an active love, with an outstretched arm of blessing towards us. God is for you, God loves you, God likes you. It's amazing how many people struggle with that. 
So, okay, God loves me. Well, God has to love me because God is love. So that has to happen. He couldn't do anything else. But he probably doesn't like me very much. It's often a sort of this weird thing that we slip into. If God really knew what I was like, he wouldn't like me very much. As though there's some version of you that God isn't fully aware of. Yeah, it's like, you, you think, oh yeah, God really knew what I was like. God knows you better than you know you. You're probably far worse than you think. Okay? But it turns out God still likes you. God is generous to you. My passage finishes, finishes today with verses 9 and 10. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. God has his own good plan through Jesus to see many people brought into the family of God. And, um, you know, praise God, we're in a season of that. And God willing, we're going to see far, far more of that. Many more people receive new life. Many more people have their hearts open to the overwhelming love of God for them. Many more people have their lives transformed as they receive the Holy Spirit and know joy and hope and peace and identity and mercy and compassion and forgiveness and holiness and a new family. His own good plan of revival. And the really cool thing is that Jesus has decided that he wants to do this by working through his church. I mean, I don't know why I know what I'm like, but for whatever reason, God's decided he wants to work through me and work through you. Now, written in my Bible alongside this passage, I found, for the first time I preached this, this phrase, not what is God's plan for my life, but what is my part in God's great plan? Not what is God's plan for my life, but what is my part in God's great plan? See, it isn't about me and my life, but rather the part that I get to play in his great and glorious plan. I mean, let me ask you, are you trying to fit God into your own plans? It's often what we end up doing. Here is my plan for my life, and so this is what it looks like, and now I try, I'm going to try and fit God in a bit here and a bit there, and I'll fit God in a bit there, and so there's God in there, and then he'll fit into my plan. Or sometimes we're asking the question and crying out, God, what is your plan for my life? I don't understand that question. Okay, what is it you... But really the question is this. God, where do I fit in your great plan? It's not about me, it's about him. It's about his plan, his purposes, his, plan, his desires. Where do I fit in what you're doing, Lord? Are we seeking our part in God's great plan? What part are you called to play and what part are you playing? Back in the 1980s, growing up in church, there was many great songs and many bad ones, but um, many great songs, back when songs were simpler. And uh, there's a song we used to sing called I, We Want to Serve the Purpose of God in Our Generation. I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. I want to serve the purpose of God while I'm alive. I want to give my life to something that will last forever. 
I delight, I delight to do your will. What is on your heart? Show me what to do. Let me know your will and I'll follow you. What is on your heart? Tell me what to do. Let me know your will and I will follow you. Not, oh Lord, what is your plan for my life? Lord, what is on your heart? You show me what to do. You show me my part in your plan and I'll follow you. Let me just finish this morning um, with the story. Uh, just about a week and a half ago, I uh, went to my grandmother's funeral. Uh, she uh, died in January. She was almost 98 years old. Uh, she, uh, I guess, had been a Christian. I don't really know, something like that. She's the one in the middle, in case you're uh, not sure. Um, she, uh, I guess, had been a Christian, I don't know, 90 years, something like that. I mean, and uh, at the funeral, uh, the Thanksgiving service, a few people were giving tribute, and, and, and several people said, actually, that she was a person who had an ability to point others to Jesus whilst drawing no attention to herself whatsoever. Which I thought was really cool, and I thought, man, make that true of me. It's not about me. The ability to point others to Jesus whilst drawing no attention to yourself at all is a gift that I want to have. And others were at pains to point out, actually, that she was a very ordinary, quiet person who abided in an extraordinary God. That really, there was nothing special about her. She was just a very ordinary person. Really, a quiet person, but she abided in an extraordinary God who through her did extraordinary things. And I remember visiting her, oh, I don't know, six months ago maybe, and uh, she was in a home by then, after my granddad had died about 18 months ago, it wasn't long before um, she didn't want to be in the flat anymore, she moved to a home and, and life gradually reduced, so her, her life kind of reduced to a room almost, and uh, her hearing was very bad, and, and uh, she couldn't see very well, and so conversations involved a lot of shouting um, and things like that. Uh, and she said to me on more than one occasion whilst I was there, she said, I don't know why he's keeping me alive. She was ready to go. Okay, She was the last one alive of her generation. She was old. She wasn't very well anymore. She was ready to go. I don't know why he's keeping me alive. And I guess a real sense of feeling like I have nothing else to give. I've given everything. I've nothing. I was like, well, Grandma, you know, I don't know. I mean, what do you... But anyway. Uh, but when she died at the funeral, four of the girls from the home that she was in came to the funeral, came to the Thanksgiving service. And uh, in her time at the home, um, she would just sort of chat to the girls who looked after her. And, and they got to a point where they would ask her to pray with them and stuff like that. And then at the funeral, they came to the funeral. At the end of the Thanksgiving service, one of them became a Christian. Like maybe 21, 22 years old. And the other three were like, um, we'll come back to the service on Sunday. And, and I kind of thought, I don't know why he's keeping me alive. That's why he's keeping me alive. But fruit, fruit actually, fruit that lasts, fruit that goes beyond the grave, fruit that continues to grow beyond her lifespan. I don't, know why he's, I don't know why he's keeping me alive. No, you don't, but it turns out he's got a good plan. And even though at that point she was broken and was like, I, I, I'm just ready to go. I don't know why he won't let me go. And there have been several times we thought she was going to go. <laughs> okay, the amount of last Christmases she had. Um, <laughs> you know. 
I don't know why he won't let me go. But it turns out that he had a good plan. And she still had a part to play in that plan. And through that, someone else was welcomed into the family of God. And uh, on the uh, uh, order of service for her funeral, on the back there was a verse that was uh, put on there from um, a hymn. Uh, and I thought about playing the hymn for you, but when I found it, I, as many hymns, the words are great, but the tune is awful. Um, so I just, it was just one verse from uh, a hymn, and it says this. It said, my life must be Christ's broken bread, my love his outpoured wine. A cup overfilled, a table spread beneath his name and sign. That other souls refreshed and fed may share his life through mine. And that's our concern. That's our desire, that's our passion, that we, full of joy, would play our part in God's great plan. That in him our lives would be fruitful, bringing glory to an awesome and amazing God. That we would understand that it isn't about us, but we get to live lives that point people to him, because it's all about him and his plan. And that in him, ordinary as we are, extraordinary as he is, wonderful things happen. Why don't we stand? Um, I need to finish, really, but I'm going to give you a chance to respond, um, and then we'll end. Just a couple of things today. if you need, if you're in that place where you're busy trying to earn the love and acceptance of God rather than receive it, um, you need to stop, and uh, we want to pray for you. Um, and for people here who are living in a way that really what you're trying to do is you've got your plan for your life and you're just trying to fit God in, uh, I think you need to repent, and I think you need to offer yourself to God and ask Him, "What is my part in your great plan?" And so, um, or is there anything else in that sermon that touched you really? But, but if it's either of those things, we would love to pray with you. And I'd love for you to respond by coming to the front and we'll do that. Uh, there's nothing special about coming to the front. It's just that we're trying not to be passive. It's just that we're trying to be on the front foot of responding to God because passivity is our default position. And so to actually have to make a move and come forward is to have to do something about it. And so if you, if you know that you're still stuck in a cycle, that cycle of I'm trying to earn from God something that he wants to give me, or if you know really I'm living in a way that is I've got my plan and I just want to fit God in around it, either of those things, we would love to pray with you. And so I'll invite you to come forward um, and then we're going to finish. And so.